Hey, welcome everybody. This is an extra special edition because we have in the studio today, not only coaching um, royalty, this is NFL royalty right here. And this gentleman who's in front of you, Wade Phillips, is a guy who's coached over 40 years in the National Football League. He is the son of a legendary head coach in the National Football League, a guy we're going to talk about in a little bit. And uh, one of the greatest defensive coaches to ever strap a whistle on. And uh, so, Wade, welcome. Thank you very much for coming to the show. My appreciate it, Jeff. That's uh, maybe too kind. No, I, I think it's maybe that, that, that may be short selling it a little bit. All right. Now, here's the thing that, that people, I think people really uh, don't maybe know now as much as they understood, guys my age understood. Your dad, Bum, um, was maybe as colorful, colorful a character as has ever patrolled the sidelines on in an NFL stadium. And oh yeah, oh yeah. And, you know, I, I've always said, hey, there's there's never going to be another guy on the sideline with a cowboy hat and cowboy boots. Coach <laughs> on an NFL game, uh, of course. Uh, Nike wouldn't let him do it anyway nowadays. So. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, he had a lot more personality, in the, or you could show your personality in those days. You know, with Tom Landry wearing his hat, guys wearing suits on the sidelines, it's, you know, it's changed. Yep. Dick Nolan, I remember he used to wear a suit on the sideline. And coach, what, now take me back, right? When you're a young kid, right? And your dad's bouncing around in the coaching business because Bum had a uh, had a number of stops on on the on the way. Now, you know, where did he start? At what level did he start his career? Yeah, he started coaching in high school in uh, Southeast Texas, and uh, in fact, he his first year there were only three coaches then, and he was like the B team coach, and and uh, uh, there were three guys, and the next year the head coach quit or left and somebody left a, the school board voted and voted him as the head coach and uh, he got a note on his door coming home one night and said congratulations you're the head coach he thought it was a joke you know because he'd only been one year out and he'd been coaching the B team but he took over and I think he won 50 some straight games for the Pets so they knew he could coach no press conference no nothing no I, they oh, just no. Get a you get a note on your car. You're that uh, coach. Come on. Where was that at? Where was that out? Out in East Texas. East, that, East that was in New Orleans, Texas. Yep. Yeah, okay. Beaumont, Fort Arthur area. All right. Now, uh, he goes on, gets in the NFL, and then goes back to college to coach at SMU for Hayden Fry, I believe. And then Hayden left and went to Iowa. And because I coached at L at, at SMU, uh, wait, I heard this story told by some some guys that were on that team that you know he was so well loved by the players in one season that when Hayden left they basically marched on the president's house and said you got to hire bum and yeah there was a, I guess it's a, uh it's not really great when that happens because they usually don't get given the job but yeah there was a big uh, people Texas, well, I wasn't texting them, but people people wrote letters and 
and the team, you know, the team voted to try to get him the head job, but it didn't work out. But worked out later on. So, so when when you were in, were you in at playing quarterback at Houston when he was the head coach of the Oilers? No, I was coaching. I coached when he was in. So. Okay, all right. Yeah, he coached me in high school, uh, my my junior and senior year in high school. So he was a high school coach at forty five years old, I guess, something like that, and said he was going to stand there and be in the AD and head coach the rest of his career. And <laughs> he went to University of Houston, of course, that night went to Warren University of Southern. So, uh, and then he went pretty quickly to. Uh, to the, to the pros and then back to SMU and then back to the pros and then the head coach. So pretty quickly though. You know, wait, I've heard I've heard you say this about your dad. Number one, obviously you guys were very, very close and you respected him and loved him very much. And I heard him I heard you say that one of the things you learned from him in coaching was how how to work with people. How it was it was about people. Oh yeah. Well you know, life is about people. <laughs> you know, and 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 coaching is you know part of life. And uh, so, yeah, and it's it's working with people. It's not, you know, he was a head coach for a long time, but it's not who, uh, it's not people working for you. It's people working with you. So I, you know, I learned that, and I learned uh, uh, the other thing I learned from him was coaching wasn't he called it coaching wasn't bitching, coaching and griping. No. <laughs> not griping about everything after it already happens you know that so-and-so didn't do this or didn't do that it's you know it's teaching them to do it better before you and so they don't you don't have to gripe about tell me about about, you know because that relationship thing about you know it's about human beings you're coaching human beings they got families they got lives they got all that i've heard that the that the barbecues on walkthrough day with the oilers were legendary oh yeah yeah we well, at Saturday practice, uh, you know, you could they did players would bring their kids and the dogs, dogs would be running all over the place, and we're trying to, you know. But in Saturday practice, you know, the day before a game is, you know, it walks through anyway. But, but he, yeah, he would have barbecue there. And, uh, you know, Willie Nelson showed up one time. <laughs> so it was uh, Muhammad Ali showed up one day. Is that right? Oh yeah, he came by practice. So I mean, you know, it was. It's kind of an open, real loose, and that's what he wanted to be the day before game anyway, really. Right. You know what? It's amazing, at, you know, having been coached in Texas and at SMU and then being I'm being in Houston right now, it's a it's incredible how much of an impact your father made on the coaching community in this state. I mean, it's it's he is still legendary, legendary. Oh yeah. Yeah. And uh uh, you know, the, the numbers, the defensive numbering system, you know, the two technique, three technique, he invented all that coaching in high school. That's still prevalent everywhere that I know of. Now, okay, this is, you're going to take me down another path. Uh, John Paul Young, right? John Paul Young, yep. Now, is he not the guy who made the templates where yes. so the coaches could draw X's and O's? You bet. Yep. Now, now, how, how did John Paul fit in all that? Because you guys put the clinic together in in San Ana, San Antonio. Uh, John Paul, uh, John Paul, played for my dad and coached was a graduate assistant with him, and then yeah, John Paul coached at SMU too uh, later on. But um, but he's kind of a legendary guy anyway. 
yeah, he, he uh, made those circle drawers, we call them, but uh, <laughs> we could draw the plays and draw uh, offenses and defenses. And uh, I, I think he still, I think he still have those. Uh, but we've gone more, you know, high tech nowadays. But uh, but John Paul uh, played for my dad and then coached. And then uh, when we went to the old, when my dad went to the Oilers, he hired John Paul and myself his second year there. We both came that year, and now we're with him in New Orleans. As a kid, did you did you sit around a t- dinner table and diagram plays and and talk about talk about football and talk about you know structure and all that? No, because. We didn't eat dinner, you know. He didn't eat dinner at all, so I'd go down to the field house and watch him do that. Okay, you know, and those days and nowadays too. But I mean, you know, coaches work late, so uh, to see my dad, I just go down to the field, and it was just across the street, so I just walk over there as a kid and and, and watch the coaches, you know, and they had chalkboards in, you know, and chalk chalking and racing, man, and so. And I saw how much fun it was, you know, how much fun, how much fun they had, how much they enjoyed what they were doing. So, you know, later on when I wanted to decide what I wanted to do, I, you know, you go back to what you sing and something yeah. that seems people enjoy. You know, so. When was it that you decided that you were going to be a coach, that that was going to be your life's work? Uh, really, my senior year at uh, University of Houston, I, and I've been a three-year starter and linebacker there, and I went to training camp. My dad was with the Chargers in, in San Diego. And I went out to the training camp before my senior year to uh, to visit family. You know, the, so I watched the Chargers practice. And I saw the linebackers that were playing in the NFL. And I realized pretty soon that I wasn't going to be, you know, what was I going to do after I finished my senior year? <laughs> I wasn't going to be playing football in the NFL. So I knew that. Uh, I could realize that. So... That's why I started thinking about it. You know, it's not what I want to do. And, uh, you know, I, that's what I knew. I knew something about it. And I knew people. And uh, it started there. It's a family deal. And my son coaches in that, too. So. I know. I, you've had Wes on your staff, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, Wes is good around now. Yeah. Okay, now. That's the game coordinator. You have a winning percentage as a head coach in the National Football League. Don't tell Don't tell Wade. 546, Wade. Huh? Nobody knows that. I do. I know it, and that's pretty damn impressive. You know, when you think about you've been at Denver, you've been at Buffalo, and you've been, you know, and you've been with the Cowboys, and then interim with the Oilers, Falcons, and the Texans, 546. Now, how many guys can, can hang that number? Well, I'm I'm proud of that winning record like that, but uh, you know, most people, most people say, and I and I'll say that I wasn't a great head coach, but I was a pretty good defensive coordinator. So I, that's really my niche. What what uh, when you when you talk about great players, and you've had you've had a ton of them, like players of the year, uh, Reggie White, Bryce Pop, Bruce Smith, J.J. Watt, Aaron Donald, right? I mean, you bet, Andre. I I talked to Andre Ware one time, and he absolutely loves you. I mean, he can't say enough good things about you. So you yeah, had the Marcus Ware. The Marcus Ware, yes. I'm sorry. Yeah, Andre Ware. Andre was throwing the court. It was quarterback. I'm sorry. Yeah, but the Marcus. Yeah, the Marcus said that what you were able to do with him 
you know, at, at kind of a hybrid position because he was, I don't know, he couldn't call him an outside linebacker, but he was, I mean, boy, oh boy. And he had those great years in Dallas. Then you got it right at the end of his career and brought it. He was kind of, the, you know, the missing link maybe in, in that, in that Bronco defense. Uh, yeah. He was a great player. All of fame player, really. So I'm pretty and when you look at all of those guys and they're predominantly defensive linemen, right? Pass rushers and defensive linemen. What are the common traits that all of those guys had weight? Uh, besides big heart, you know, I mean, besides just wanting to be better, even though they were better than everybody, they wanted to be better and they tried to be better all the time. There's something, it's a competitive nature, whatever it is. Uh, those guys had, you know, they, uh, and I had Robert Brazil who went in the Hall of Fame too. I mean, you know, so I've had some great ones. Uh, and Von Miller is going to go in the Hall of Fame too. So, um, but it, it's it's a they want to be great and they do everything they can to be great. They utilize their their talent, you know. And you you've been around. I mean, we've seen a lot of guys with talent that yeah. didn't do well, but those guys had great talent. But they they. Maxed it. They maxed it out, really. So when you when you're coordinator and you're looking at guys for the draft, right? You got the you got your parameters, height, weight, speed, and all of that. How how do you weigh it? What is the number one thing you want out of out of a defensive lineman when you're looking at him in the draft? Uh, well, I I, I look for pass rush ability. You know, natural pass rush ability, and that's really naturally turning your hips naturally uh, you know I looked at film way way back my dad gave me film when I was coaching in college and he had a film of all the great passers of that time and what I tried to do is look at that and see what what they did naturally you know uh, and what made them successful Deacon Jones or Bob Lilly way back you know and they could move their hips and shoulders Eagerly, you know, and I thought if you can utilize that uh, because he, he changes angles on, on the rush, so uh, and so I started teaching that stuff and uh, well, guys that could get better at it, and that's uh, but the guys that can do it naturally, that's the one you want, obviously, you know, because it's interesting when you look at that list of players, right? and you you got a, a shorter guy and an Aaron Donald was extremely explosive and you know and Reggie White was special special I mean I, I don't know if I ever seen a guy throw people around like he could throw people around um, where does explosiveness come into that strength and explosiveness come into that well then, yeah I mean we're the natural ability to be able to run fast and generate power that that's the thing about Reggie and all of those guys but but Reggie, Reggie was a big guy that could, he could really run fast. And so he, he generated a lot of power to start with. And then, of course, Aaron Donald's the same way. And he had that great core strength and that speed uh, that made him. But, you know, most all of those guys, we're talking about all the fame guys now. You're not talking about, you know, just regular guys. Other guys, just guys on the street, yeah. Yeah, those guys, they had it, but they utilized it. They sure did. Okay. For you as a coordinator, right? Building a defense. If, if you were going to come in and put one together, 
I've, I've heard Al Davis say, build it from the outside in, get me corners that can cover and I'll stick the, enough guys in a box that you can't run it. I've heard other guys say, be, be good down the middle. Where, where do you start? Uh, well, in the NFL, you start with passers and not being, you know, it's really the guys up front. Of course, I coached at three, four most of the time. So I really liked the guys on the edge. And of course, we had Vaughn Miller and the Marcus Ware, you know. Uh, Bryce Pop, you, the guy you mentioned, your old Cornelius Bennett was on that team too. Uh, besides Bruce and uh, uh but yeah, it's it's you got to put pressure on the passer, you know, and and you can look at your coverages all you want to, but it, it's really the pressure. Your coverage is better with the pressure, so I look for passer. Hey, now, you, I've heard, I've heard. You say this also, my job is to teach, right? Right. And what makes a great teacher in your mind? Uh, results. I think it's, it's uh, you know, we always said, and you can't do it really, but but we always said we're not going to make any, any mental mistakes. You know, that's that's our standard. Our standard is no mental mistakes. And, and so... Uh, you know, if if they don't make many mental mistakes, then then they can utilize what ability, whatever ability they have, and then uh, so I think that's the key thing in you know, teaching is is they know what to do. It sounds simple, but offense isn't so complicated. It forces defenses to be complicated. So uh, it's it's really knowing what to do and doing it full speed and no hesitation. That's uh, that's the teaching part. That's a, uh, when you taught a guy, you know, what to do, and he doesn't have any hesitation about what he's doing or that he's going to do better. And were you surprised, Wade, with, uh, you know, the COVID thing and no OTAs, no mini camp, no, you know, really no training camp per se, that they, we were able to play as good a football this past fall as, as they were able to with all virtual meetings and all of that crazy stuff? Uh, in some ways, but, uh, you know, when I went to Texas in 2011, they had a strike and we didn't have all season. And so we, we were new going in, so it's the same kind of deal. We were new. And they were 31st in the league in defense the year before. Of course, that's why I was there. <laughs> and we went to second the first year. So, I mean, you know, you know, it, it's just putting it together. Coach, a lot of a lot of – a lot of fans have, have asked questions, and, and I want to pass them on to you if you would, if you wouldn't mind answering them. This comes from Julio in Madrid, Spain. He says, what would you say were the main differences in the Bronco organization from the first stint in the late 80s to your return to Denver to lead the defense? Uh, well, I think Denver's a special place I, as far as Denver reminds me of Texas high schools, you know, the ones that are really good every year, they expect their team to be good. And uh, I, I think it it helps them just because that's that kind of town. They want their team to be good. Everybody wants their team to good, be good, but they put pressure on them to be good every year. So that was there both both spins. You know. The first first stand I went there, the first year we went to the Super Bowl, we didn't win it, but we went to the Super Bowl, and the next time we went, Cam, we won the Super Bowl in the first year. So, uh, and of course, Pat Bowen 
changed in those years, you know, which was sad to me, certainly, uh, seeing him progress with his disease. So, uh, in fact, the second time when I went there, he didn't recognize me. He didn't know who I was. Is that right? Yes. It's really a shame. I mean, he was a wonderful He was a wonderful man. Yeah, I was. I was his head coach. You know, I was there with six for six years, and um, I went back. And of course, I know he had Alzheimer's, and uh, he came to the facility one day, and so I went up and I said, "Hey, Pat, you know Wayne Phillips," and he just glazed, his eyes were glazed over, and he just said, reached his hand out and said, "Pat Bowler." He mm. did not know who I was, and mm. it was, you know. Hopefully we can do something about that disease in some way. If anybody can help with that, I hope they do. I'm with you. Claire DeBear, who is a gigantic, this lady is a gigantic Bears fan in the UK. She said, what one rule would you bring in or change in the National Football League? Well, uh, I'd change all the defensive holding. Defensive <laughs> <laughs> you know well, you know, the tough one was that when they changed, and I was there when they changed, you know, you couldn't hit them after, until they were down the field five yards. I mean, you know, uh, Mel Blunt and those guys were wearing people out, you know. On those crossers, they would just lighten yeah. you up. Yeah. Well, I mean, they didn't let them get down the field. They, they, Mel Blunt was 6'2", and just bump and run, and they couldn't get off the line of scrimmage. And so, um, you know, I don't know if there's any changes that, uh, you know, they're talking about onside kick and trying to clarify that. Of course, I understand injuries, so uh, safety. I mean, I think that's great as far as the game is concerned. I hate to see them just not be able to kick the ball off or, or have an onside kick. You know? yeah. I mean, those, are, those are big plays in the game that, you know, fans like. But, again, we have to worry about player safety. Wait, how how is how is it? the game changed in those 40 years right is it still the same game or is it is it some is it different now well you mean besides having not having leather helmets now <laughs> when i scored i'm not you don't go that far back now come on but um well i mean everything's changed society obviously changed and so forth uh you know we i mean we went from two back offs, everybody playing two back offense, you know, wide or color wide open. But I mean, it's, you know, all that's changed, certainly, uh, the way we played. But I, I will say this in high school and college and pro football, and this is a great thing about football, before the game, everybody's excited about the game in the locker room. You know, you've been there. I mean, that feeling before the game, everybody wants to do well, everybody wants to win. And that's a neat feeling, you know, and especially if you do win after, after, you know, the locker room afterwards, it's, it's a great, that's accomplishment, you know, and we all did it together as a team. So those, uh, those things are still there no matter where you're coaching. All right. Fred Flunk from Ireland says 2007, I think Dallas finished second in the league in scoring. He's, this guy's a big cowboy fan. You got to know that. So it says, aside from Romo, Owens, and Witten, who was the most underappreciated player on offense? Uh, Romo. Who? Who? Romo. 
He said he said Romo, Owens, and Witten. Oh, Owens. Okay, T.O. Yeah, I was going to say T.O. Had, had a great year there too. Um, the uh, uh, well, probably the, you know the offensive line was good too. I mean, you know that's 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 a big part of of that. Uh, Marion Barber was yeah was a really good player, and uh, I'm not sure people knew that, but he was. Uh, you know, he could carry the load and and made a lot of big plays for us. So I, I, I as you know, for somebody that people might know, that'd be the guy. Well, I tell you what, he was a he was a good good football player. I mean, he yeah, he, played he played behind his pads so well. And yeah. you know, speaking of guys that played behind their pads, tell me an Earl Campbell story. All right. <laughs> uh, uh, well, I got a lot of them, but. Uh, uh, we when we got him as a rookie, you know, uh, we didn't preseason games. We didn't play him very much, and then one game we played him in, he had the wrong shoes on and it was raining on turf, and he slipped down, and and so the, the rumors started kind of going out that hey, you know, Earl Campbell's going to be a bust. He's not what everybody thinks he is, you know. So we played the last preseason game against Dallas against the Cowboys there. And in those days, you played the last preseason game, you played all your starters, which is opposite now. But you played your team. Well, they were coming off the Super Bowl win. This was the, uh, you know, the two tall Jones and, and that group. I mean, they had a great defense. And and, uh, and one of our coaches kind of got caught up in the, I don't know what, but, I mean, he, he, he told me before the game, he said, uh, you know, Wade, Earl Campbell's fixing to get welcome to the NFL tonight, you know. And uh, 177 yards later, four touchdowns. After the game, I went up to the coach and I said, hey, NFL just got welcomed to Earl Campbell. Put yeah, 77 yards on the first play of the game, ran over Charlie Waters and, and uh, Cliff Harris. First play of the game, what, 77? The the play that I, the play that I remember and it's immortalized on NFL films was I think it was Isaiah Robertson. It was Isaiah. He ran him over, and it were like shock waves went through Isaiah Robertson's body when Earl Campbell hit him. Did he didn't work? In fact, I talked to Isaiah later, you know, later on several years ago. But uh, he, you know, he said, you know, he said, you know, I I was in the Pro Bowl like three or four times, you know. He said, the only thing people remember about me is getting run over by Earl Campbell. Because I told him, I said, hey, you're a really good player. And he said, he said, I know it, but he said, nobody knows that. And he said, all they know is I got run over by Earl Campbell. <laughs> Fans, he is the son of Bum. And if you, you can follow him on Twitter, on that same hand, greatest Twitter handle, handle in, in captivity, I believe. And tell me about your book. Tell me about your book. Tell the fans about your book and where they can get it, because it's a great read. Yeah, it's uh, you can get it anywhere. Amazon, you know, just just get with them, and they'll get it for you. But uh, it's I, I wanted to do it for my dad, you know. Uh, you know, you're not always remembered, you know, and so I, I wanted to make sure that uh, and some coaches, you know, being a coach's son, but what all I learned from him, like I said about coaching, and that uh, you know, I tried to convey in the book. And then the father-son relationship. So, uh, but I just—I really wanted my my kids and my grandkids and, 
and people have a family to, to remember my dad. Well, you know, Coach, you've always been really easy uh, and special about sharing information. And I and I talked to you about the the first time I met you, you know, we were riding a van back from the practice field in Philadelphia, Westchester State University, where the Eagles had training camp. And I, you know, and I remember, you know, I just being a young guy and just being like starstruck. I was in, I was in the van, I was in the van with Wade Phillips. And then later on, you started a, a now was it you and John Paul? Or how did the how did the San Angelo Clinic start? Well, it was actually it was started. Actually, because of my dad, you know, and, uh, when my dad was coaching the high school in Texas, uh, he was really well known then. And they have coaching school every year in San Antonio, Houston, or Dallas. They have a big coaching school, and, and, you know, thousands of coaches go to there every year, still do. And uh, my dad had a room, you know, he had a room and a chalkboard in his room, and coaches would come and they'd talk football you know we got bigger and bigger you couldn't hardly get in there uh then later on when my dad was coaching the Oilers we had training camp in San Angelo um and so the group there John Paul Young was coaching with us with the Oilers and then uh Jim Hester coached uh, San Angelo at that time and and the guys there uh they wanted to have a clinic but but not have it during coaching school because everybody couldn't get in the room so um, so they decided to have it in, in San Angelo, and it's, it's a great climate. It's wonderful. Well, I'm, a, I've been to it 40 years, probably. The fan, fans, you got to understand now, this is out in West Texas, and there isn't much around San Angelo, not other than all Derricks, right? I mean, there, you got to want to get to San Angelo to get to San Angelo. And I had an opportunity to speak at one of them, and you actually speak in an in a basketball arena, there's so many coaches that come to this. Wait, there must have been, I swear to God, 3,000 coaches in that in, sure. in that in that clinic. It, it is a fantastic, fantastic thing. Yeah, the best part of the clinic is is the uh, af- afterwards they take you in the room and people can ask you questions, right? Yeah. Okay. So a uh, middle school coach can ask a pro football coach, a question he wants to know about football or a college coach or whoever, you know, or, or you know, an outstanding coach that they have a speaker. But you can learn so much by, by just going and being there and, and asking the question in that room. And, you know, it's, it's amazing. It is. I thought that was the best part of it. It was, a, it was a fabulous experience for me. Adam in the USA says, who is the best defensive player you've ever coached and which offensive player was the hardest to game plan for? Wow, <laughs> yeah, the you know you named all a lot of the great players that I've coached. It's hard to say one Hall of Famer is better than the other. Uh, you know, I, I when I start with the Oilers, I mean, you know, Robert Brazil, Curly Culp, and Elvin Bethay, uh, three of the guys on the defense. I thought I was a good coach because I was coaching those guys. <laughs> and, uh, I found out later I wasn't that good a coach. They were there at the Hall of Fame. So. Uh, but uh, I will say this: Reggie White had the best season that I, I've ever been around. And that uh, at Philadelphia, there we had we had a strike year where we only played twelve games, and he set the record uh, of twenty-one sacks in that twelve-game season. Twelve games, yeah. 
21 sacks in 12 games. 12 games, yeah. Yeah, Strahan broke broke the record, but but the rec the record he set was 1987 with 21 sacks in 12 games. So, I, you know, south of Betty Bird's record. I mean, I, you know, I don't know if anybody ever break that one. I got to throw this name at you because I've heard guys that I know that were offensive linemen and they talk about the great defensive linemen that they ever lined up against. And I've heard guys say this guy was the toughest to block of any guy that they in that era of players. And it was Jerome Brown. And they said he was just so strong and so quick and so powerful. Yeah, yeah, he was. Uh, I mean, you know, we had Clyde Simmons and and Reggie White and Jerome Brown and some guy. The other guy was my goalie, but we, my goalie, my goalie was the other guy. I always kid him about that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Jerome was a tremendous talent too. You know, that's a shame, obviously. Uh, but he was he was he was hard to block. He was really, I mean, when we had those four guys, we we really had something. Coach, there's one here from Philippa in the UK. Says, "Son of a bum is a legend." Right? What has been your favorite stop so far in your career, and which defense are you most proud of? Well, I I've been lucky to be with a lot of great defenses. I mean, we started like I said, we started with the Oilers. And we were really good on defense in those days, too. Uh, you know, Philadelphia, we had a great defense. Actually, we were number one in the league when I was with New Orleans so and Buffalo. And so, uh, I mean, the one that won the Super Bowl had to be one of the best of all time, you know. Uh, we, we led the league in, I don't know, 13 categories going into the playoffs. So it wasn't like all of a sudden we played great in the playoffs. You know, you beat Rossenberger and, and Tom Brady and then Cam Newton's uh, the MVP of the league and, and averaging 40 points a game in the playoffs and shut them down. So uh, that group was really special. I mean, they, they uh, got seven sacks in the Super Bowl. <laughs> wait, wait, as impressive as the Super Bowl was, to me, what you did to Brady in the run up to the Super Bowl was that was master that was that was chess against checkers. You know, I mean the yeah. the, the things you guys did to take away Gronkowski and I mean it was really I thought masterful. Yeah, it was still rush. You know, we hit him twenty four times in that game. And that wasn't the most that, that Tom Brady had been hit. It was the most any quarterback had been hit in the, uh, the whole season. So we we had, and then we were playing the whole which is great. Uh, but, uh, you know, 24 hits on the quarterback during the game. And he was still in the game. We had some two-point play at the end of the game. So, you, you know, he was still a great. That's no, no doubt about it. Coach, we got a lot of coaches that listen to this, and uh, I, I'm going to stump a little bit for you. Uh, your coaching, your certification program about how, coaching defense, Talk to talk about it and, and let let our fans know where they can how they can subscribe or how they can become certified in Wade Phillips defense. Yeah, uh, John Paul Young, the guy you talked about, and then I uh, put this together. And the reason we did it, the reason I did it, really was, uh, and you're I know you're the same way. I mean, going to college, they don't teach you to be a coach. They don't teach you how to coach. They don't teach you anything about coaching. You know, if you played, maybe you learned something or 
you know, if you had a background like I did, you know, you got a head start. But but there's nothing in college that says, hey, you know, this is the way, this is how you play defense and the numbering system and, and the whole system and coverages and so forth. So um, I'd rather put that together to help coaches, you know, help guys that want to be coaches. Uh, it's, it's, it's for anybody, I guess, but, uh, you know, and I've had some media people that wanted to learn football that they're taking the course, but, uh, which they need to, a lot of them. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's just called the numbers defense and we call it the numbers defense and it's, uh, numbersdefense.com and you can take the course and it's, and there is a course and, you know, you have to pass the thing, you have to pass. You have to have a passing grade to, to pass. You can't just, uh, you know, you can't just take, just look at it and go through it. You, you, uh, you know, you, we give you a certificate, which, uh, which I think is important because again, uh, you don't learn that anywhere, you know, yeah. that I know of. So, um, so we can, we put that together and I think it's been good for people. Well, Wade, if I was going to take it, I'd want to look after your paper. I'd let, I'd want to look on your you let out your paper. Well, I'm football. Sure. Football, I'd be good. The rest of the rest of my classes that were good. Hey, I tell you what. Tell me about your daughter now. I, you got an artsy daughter. You got a football coaching son and an artsy daughter. Yeah, Tracy's. Tracy's. Uh, she was a dancer. Did uh, a lot of. Uh, had to watch way too many M- MTV videos, you know, in those days when those were, because she was in a lot of, uh, it's a very good dancer, but she can do all of it. So, um, but now she's more of a choreographer and uh, does a lot of stuff, has done, you know, a lot of award shows and choreography and done a lot of choreography. So uh, that's what she does now. Uh, she's, she's really good at that too. Now, that, that, I've never seen you cotton eye Joe, but did she get that from you or did she get that from the wife? <laughs> well, she could do any of them. Yeah. Yeah. She can do any of them. And she didn't get it from me. She got it from my wife because I'm never, I got my dancing from my dad, which <laughs> he wasn't a great dancer. He's a great football coach, but not a real good dancer. Coach, I appreciate your time so much. Our fans loved it and I loved it. And I tell you what, I can't wait. You know what I'm looking for you next the next next thing for you? Is you gonna put that gold jacket on yourself. Cause I I think it's I don't know that they knew such a coach is, but but uh but but I had a great career and warm doing it. So but I enjoyed this. This is fun talking football. That's what I you know, that's what uh, so I, I appreciate it. If I find out where you are in Houston, I may go or knock on your door. We couldn't stop the run last night. I need I need to get <laughs> Uh, so, but again, Wade, thank you so much. You're a real class act, and and thank you so much for all you've done for all of us coaches and fans, and for the National Football League. All right, well, great, Jeff. Thanks. Thank you too. Uh-huh.